So we are uh, concluding today this series uh, that we've been in on Elijah. Uh, and I think it has been a, a wonderful experience. Not too many times do we as Christians get a chance to walk into Old Testament scripture. Uh, we don't really like Old Testament scripture. Old Testament scripture is like, I can't see Jesus. He's all through it. There's not one text of scripture where Jesus is not present. The essence of God is not in the midst of it. And so through this, Elijah has allowed us to be able to see a different aspect of God, one that we don't in our time and day get a chance to see much. We don't get a chance to see pillars of fire coming down. We don't get a chance to see God doing miraculous works in the same way that Elijah did. But it's always good to know that our God can. Because sometimes we forget that God will show up in the midst of the, the, the tough moments. And I would venture to say that in this moment, we live in a tough moment. We live in a tough season. We live in a time where you really have to think twice about letting everybody around you know that you're a Christian. Because they're going to assume a bunch of political things about you versus spiritual things. They're going to assume a bunch of educational things about you versus spiritual things. In this day and age, it seems so antagonistic to the Christian. But I will say this, it probably is going to get worse. And we need to hold on to Scripture. We need to hold on to the Word of God in all the aspects and um, all the areas of life that we find ourselves in. Now, I want you to consider this, that you have mo no, no doubt been a part of uh, walking into a restaurant and potentially uh, a store and you see a help wanted sign. You see uh, that there are job openings all over the place. There's a digital board, uh, billboard off of the lodge uh, where the city of Detroit posts how many job openings they have uh, in their um, help wanted jobs. Uh, I forgot the name of the website, but the city of Detroit manages one for the entire city. And it's something like 7,000 job openings. Everywhere you look, people are saying, we need people to work. We need people to work. And one of the places that I would uh, venture to, to, to say also has been in deep need uh, of pl places for people to work is, is with the people of God. To be on your job, to be doing what you are called to do. Now, what I'm not talking about is all of you going to seminary and being trained to become pastors. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about is there is a particular calling that God has on your life, and you have to be ready and willing to accept it and walk into it. But there's a lot of things that go into the process of you committing to the call of God on your life. And we're going to jump into that a little bit today. As we're concluding just this section uh, in, in Elijah, we get a chance to see Elijah have a really big prayer answered. Elijah has struggled for a consistent period of time with feeling alone and feeling isolated, feeling like God has left him by himself. And even though God has come in time and time again to tell him, no, Elijah, you are not left alone, in this particular moment, God grants him a companion. And not only does God grant him a companion, but God grants him a vision of the, the ministry continuing on into the future. And so I want us to take a look uh, at uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. As we conclude that, we've gone through, uh, Pastor Victor taught the, the majority of Pastor 19. He went through a full 18 scriptures last week. Uh, I get to go through three. So, amen. 
Um, we're looking at 1 Kings chapter 19. And I'm going to read this first part. It says, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. Now, what's really interesting here is that we're not used to it. If, if, you, if, if you're not used to uh, understanding what this was, then you'll miss it. You'll be like, well, I don't understand the big deal. Elijah just walked over and he tossed his cloak on this guy and walked away. It meant something. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But where we come from, Elijah had been hiding in a cave. He had been hiding in a cave, and he was so distraught, and this is one of those things that happen when you experience tremendous amount of ministry in a short period of time. Yes, three years is a short period of time, especially as it pertains to the Lord. But he goes through this up and down of emotional, uh, of an emotional experience. I've seen God move, and now there's someone who's hunting me. I've seen death, but I've also seen life. Like, Elijah's gone through a tremendous amount, and he found himself in this cave saying to God, hey, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. Um, she's trying to kill me. I've tried to do your will. I just, I just don't have anything left in me. And God blesses him with rest. Now, I'm going to say this. Sometimes you just need to eat. And sometimes... You just need to go to sleep. There is a brokenness that we walk in because we're waiting for the pillar of fire to show up. God, I need you to refresh me. I need you to send 12 prophets to come around me and lay their hands on me that I might know what, I, God, I need you. I need you to do this thing. And God said, go to sleep. Not at 1 a.m. God said, go to sleep at seven o'clock and just sleep and when you wake up i loved what he did with elijah he woke up and there was food and he ate and then god told him go to sleep so he goes back to sleep and then he wakes up and there's food and he eats and then he is refreshed there are some practical things that God has given us in this. And if you find yourself feeling burnt out, tired, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to, to, to just set everything on fire, I can't deal with any of this stuff, go to sleep. And then go eat food. And then go to sleep again. And then eat some food. And trust the Lord. So when we come from that, God began to speak to him. And when God spoke to him, he did so in a whisper. He made Elijah listen. And then he made Elijah say, he made Elijah recognize that God is not always in the earthquake that happened. That God is not always in all the loud, big things that happened. Elijah went through several movements that looked like, oh, it's God. But the scripture kept saying, but the Lord was not in it. But what was the Lord in? The Lord was in the whisper. The Lord was in the quiet after he had slept, after he had eaten, after his heart was at rest. He could speak to him. And then he said, Elijah, now what I want you to do is I want you to go anoint a new king. 
I want you to go anoint a new king in Syria. I want you to go anoint a new king in Israel. And I want you to go find a young man named Elisha. When you find Elisha, he will be the prophet. He will be the man that carries on the mantle. Elijah, I want you to understand that you are not alone. You never were alone. And trust me, I got a much bigger plan than just you. That's a humbling thing for someone like an Elijah to experience. Because again, in our nature, we want to heap on all of the great things. We want to have all of our accolades behind us. And I'm really important. You should put me on the next TED Talk. You should put me on the next panel. Why? Because I've done some great things. But God still has a bigger plan. Praise the Lord for the things that he's been able to do through you. But you are not that big. I am not that big. I am not as important as I really think I am in the grand scheme of what God is doing in the world. Do you know how many preachers and pastors that God has ordained and anointed before me? Who am I that he might choose me to speak for him? Who am I that he might reveal to me his word? Who am I that he would allow me to care for you? We have to really step back in, our, in the pride that we have and the things that we do and recognize that what we do is because God has gifted us with the ability and the time to do so. And what a blessing it is to be in his service. What a blessing it is. Wherever you may find yourself, you may be an accountant and as an accountant, serving the Lord. Serving the Lord by keeping integrity, serving the Lord by keeping order, in whatever business God has called you to. You may be a singer, you may be an artist, it doesn't matter where you find yourself, God's calling on you is your calling to glorify him in the things that he has placed in front of you. But I want you to understand that God's call can be trusted because as he talked to Elijah earlier in 19, what we see is he comes to this moment where he gets down to the valley and he sees this man, Elisha, in a field exactly where God told him to go. God's word can be trusted. God's call can be trusted. You have lived your life in a way that you haven't even recognized all the times that God has been consistent in his word that God has shown up, that the times where you have called out to the Lord, Lord, help me, and you found salvation in him, he was being faithful to his word. There's a consistency in God that we always go off into our own strength in our own hands, but you can trust in the word of God. What I want us to be able to walk away from in this is that as we go into the word of God, he will teach you, he will show you, did, I don't want you to raise your hands, but I would venture to ask this question. How many of you knew there was a person named Elisha in the Bible? No, 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 don't raise your hand. Don't want to see. But you come across people. I have a nephew named Elisha. People ask him, where'd you get that name from? Or didn't you, don't you mean Elijah? Didn't your parents mean Elijah? That's the normal, no, nah, Elisha. That's in the scriptures. When we read the scriptures, we get a chance to see things in our life in a different kind of a perspective, but you have to have a commitment to actually reading the scriptures of God to know him. I appreciate that you trust me 
when I preach the word that I'm preaching to you what's actually in the text, but I would absolutely love it, and I do absolutely love it when you go home and you study the scriptures that I've just preached from and you come back the weeks after and talk about what God has revealed to you. Oh, it's beautiful. I love that we're about to jump back into our midweek Bible study, and in the process of our midweek Bible study, it's a back-and-forth communication. What did God show you? Oh, let's talk about that. Okay, look, let me guide the scripture. Let me pose a question to you. What do you think about that? Next week, we're going to be going into this. Make sure you read that ahead of time so that when we come back together, God can be revealing things to us by what he's shown you in his scripture. When you are asking questions of God, God, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to do with my life? You're praying three hours in, God, what do you want me to do with my life? In the first 45 seconds, he said, open the Bible. Read the Bible. Where do you want me to start? I can give you a million places to start, but page one is a good one. There's a lot there, and I'm not trying to be cynical. What I'm trying to be is truthful, is that the scriptures will allow you to know how to make those decisions. God, should I take this job where I'm going to have to compromise my integrity, where I'm going to have to be somebody who I'm actually not? Well, if I go to scripture, I would know that that's not what God wants for me. So he's helped me to understand how to make those right decisions. God, I feel like you're calling me, but I'm not sure because, Lord, you're calling me into this place that's uncomfortable. Lord, you're calling me into this place where I have to fully trust in you and not rely on myself. That must not be you. But it probably is him. That's where he wants you to be, at a place where you're trusting in him. God's direction can be trusted consistently. And his instruction to Elijah, he consistently shows up time and time again. I want you to go into the word because in Psalm 119, it says it like this, that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When you feel like it is completely dark and you don't know where to go, his word will be that light. His word will guide your path. Amen? So are you faithfully pursuing God's word? The Holy Spirit will dwell inside of you and every believer should take on the mantle of ministry. It's not just me. This is not just a platform or a mantle of ministry. Every one of us who walks as a believer carries a mantle of ministry into the places where God has called you to. That's why it's really important to walk in exactly where God called you to. For you to be working in a particular place, that means that God has ordained conversations and situations for you to be in. That he puts you in that place and he has given you protection and provision to walk in that space. And as you're walking in that space, utilize your opportunity to minister to your coworkers, to your family, to your friends, to those that live in your house. Every one of us has an opportunity for ministry. First Corinthians says it like this, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God has given you a mantle. God has given you the Holy Spirit that you might walk in it. Not just me, 
Yes, I have a mantle that I need to walk in, but you do as well. And so you need to embrace that call. It says also in Colossians that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ. There is something special that God is urging you towards. Have those great conversations. Have those, uh, uh, those moments of prayer with your coworkers. I was talking to a gentleman who was retired from the police force, and he was talking about a time where he was uh, um, uh, as a police officer at a concert, and the lead artist for the concert came up to him, and he just said, hey, I need you to pray for us. While he was in his police uniform, he just walked to him and said, I need you to pray for us. And so he was going to pray with this lead person. And the person said, wait, 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 I need a second. I need my whole team. I need you to pray over our whole team. And he brings the whole team over to him. And this police officer, who actually is a man of God, goes and prays over every person who is in this concert. You can do that. You don't have to text me and be like, hey, Pastor Fickray, I need you to come to such and such and pray over these people. No. You can do that. The anointing is on you as well. But God's call demands a commitment. You can't flippantly walk into it. When you embrace the, the call of God, it's not something that you are bouncing in and out of. And we see Elisha do something really interesting after he receives this cloak that is placed upon him. Now, this cloak that is placed upon him is Elisha's, is Elijah's mantle. He takes it, and basically what he is saying is, you are about to be the new me. This is me passing along what's about to happen. I want to share in ministry with you. I'm taking what I have, and I'm giving it to you so that you might walk in it. That, was, that meant something special. That meant, hey, I'm committed to doing life with you. I'm committed to, to, to showing you this whole process. And so Elisha takes it as a grand responsibility when he receives this mantle from Elisha. So much so that he does something special. Let's look at that. And it says in verse 20, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yolks of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. This is one of those, those beautiful moments where you see full commitment. Elisha's family was pretty well, well to do because they had enough land to the point where they needed 12 teams of oxen to plow the land. But Elisha was out there doing this work and what he does when he accepts this mantle is he gives up his whole job. Not his whole job, even portions of his inheritance. And what he does is he takes the team of oxen and slaughters the oxen, and he takes the, the yokes, the big pieces of wood that are holding the ox together and everything that is a, a part of this team, and he builds an altar and he begins to sacrifice them. But then he gives everybody who's around the food. So basically, he has this big goodbye party. He says, 
The man of God has come. The man of God said, he's going to walk with me. I'm going to go with him. And even though I have money and status and affluence and all these things here, I'm going after the call of God. And let me explain it to you this way. I'm going after the call of God in a way that I'm never coming back. That's why he said, let me go kiss my mother. Let me go kiss my father and let them know I love you, but I have to pursue what God called me to do. And he kisses them for the last time, never knowing whether he will ever see them again. There may be a blessing in the journey where he gets to come back and see his parent, parents, but he's not sure. There is no FaceTime. There is no email. There is no Instagram. He is not sure whether he will ever get to see their faces again. And so he says, give me one second. And Elijah is giving him this moment. He's like, hey, hey, no rush. The mantle is yours because God had already called you. And since God already called you, I trust him. He's been faithful along the way. And so Elisha commits to this thing. And he has this great barbecue and everybody comes together and they're able to participate in him launching out into this beautiful thing called ministry. I'm committed to following after the Lord. There's a song that, that I love uh, by, King, uh, by King and Country. It's called Burn the Ships. I don't know if you've ever heard it before, um, but there's a line in the song that always gets me because uh, it says like this. It says, step into a new day. We can rise up from the dust and walk away. We can dance upon our heartache. So light a match, leave the past, burn the ships, and don't you look back. And when they sing it, it sounds so much better than what I just said. But the image that it gives is of a voyager who has left their home country with everything that they have, never knowing if they're going to be able to go back. And they get to this new place. And when they get to this new place, they have to make a decision. I don't have a place to live here. But if I dismantle this ship, I can have a place to live here. I have to make a decision on being here and not choosing to go back to where I was. And when they say burn the ships, what they're saying is there's no going back. I live and I die here. And this is the thing that unfortunately I see too often is that there are those who have the zeal to jump into ministry or jump into actually following God. But in the process of it, they run into some tension and when they run into tension, they wanna go back. Because, oh, it was so much easier when I made a ton of money in banking. Oh, it was so much easier. I had so many more friends when I was doing this. But now that I'm, I'm, I'm in the ministry, now that I'm pursuing God, or now that I have made this commitment to only lean on God, I feel like everything is falling apart, and it seemed like it was so much better over there, and I could just, maybe there's a way to do both. Maybe there's a way that I can actually love the Lord and still hold on to my old lifestyle. Maybe there's a way that I can still preach the gospel and cuss like everybody else. Maybe there's a way that I can straddle the fence. And what Elisha did, he was saying, I'm not doing both. I'm trusting the Lord, and should the Lord bring me back, fine but I'm making a decision to go after him. And so I'm burning the oxen. I'm saying bye to mom. I'm saying bye to dad, and I'm moving forward. I'm going on into this new day. 
Can you commit to that? Can you commit, if, if the call of God comes on your life and God points you in the direction that he wants you to go in, can you burn the bridges? Can you say, hey, I appreciate you as a person, and if you want to walk with me on this journey towards the Lord, we can walk together, but I cannot take two steps towards the, Lord's and three steps, towards the Lord and three steps back. I have to continue on towards him. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that God's call is always to preaching in the pulpit. I'm not saying that God's call is always to overseas missions. It could be, and that could be you. And if that is, listen to the voice of the Lord. But God's call could be a myriad of things. One of the first callings that God ever placed on humanity was to be a mother and a father. And that's a calling that we don't always accept. Whether it's a spiritual mother or a physical mother or a spiritual father or a, a physical father, a biological father, God said, go forth and multiply. That was the first calling he gave humanity. And so what do we know at bare minimum we should all be doing is creating more disciples. Creating more people in the image of God who follow after him. So what comes after that? I don't know. God may have called you to be an accountant. God may have called you to be a football player. God may have called you to be a guitar player. God may have called you to be Whatever it is, but whatever you do, do it unto the glory of God. I appreciate the freedom and the liberty that he gives in those scriptures. But I'm not telling you, you absolutely have to be a preacher. But what I am telling, is, telling you is you absolutely have to be a mouthpiece for me. That when someone asks you about the hope that lies within your heart, that you share with them, to set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. I love that Kristen brought that scripture up. Set apart Christ as Lord in your heart and always be willing to give a defense. Always be willing to talk. Peter is talking to regular people, not to other preachers. You be willing to do those things and commit to the Lord in the process. Saying yes to God's call, it requires a commitment, but it also requires something else. And, and most of you are going to get up and walk out on this. Saying yes requires development. Saying yes means that there is an opportunity in your life that you actually need to be educated for. Now, there may be some actual uh, academic education that you go to a university or a college or enter into a program for, or it may just be finding mentors. It may be getting into a group of other believers and learning what it means to actually follow God from other people who have been following God for a season of time. This is not an individualistic faith. There is nothing about following Christ that says, I get to do this by myself. Everything in this is go and learn. Jesus said that we are to go out and baptize, teaching them everything that he taught us. So you have to learn what he taught. You have to learn what it's like to be a Christian. You have to sit under somebody else. We don't like that part. I got wisdom too. I'm smart too. I got life experience too. Man, I should have 100 million followers. 
People should be listening to me. I mean, I've been doing this for all of a couple weeks, and I really have perfected this thing. Yes, God has a calling on your life, but he also wants you to learn. And this is the thing he says in the end of verse 21. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Elisha came from money. Elisha came from prosperity. He had, he was probably well-educated. He probably understood things. He had his, basically his own business, his own future in front of him, all these things. And he left all of that to go and be Elijah's aid. So much so that early on in his ministry, he was known as the man who poured water on Elijah's hands. Basically, he, was, he, he left where he was in status to go and follow after Elijah and learn of him, so much so that he was the one that poured water on his hands so Elijah could keep his hands clean before he ate. He served him. He was willing to sit. He was willing to go and do the hard stuff. He was willing to go and, just so I can be near you, I don't care what I got to do. You want me to sweep the floors? I'll sweep the floors. Just as long as I can ask you a question afterwards. I just want to roll with you. Wherever you tell me to go, I just need to, to figure this thing out. Have you committed yourself to learning from those that God has placed in your life in that same way? Or does it need to be convenient for you? I mean, there are times when, when people want to follow after somebody else or learn from somebody else, and they're like, hey, if you can make it fit between the time schedule that I, I have for me, you know, I've got like between 2 and 2.15 on Thursdays. Um, if you can fit into my schedule, I would love for you to pour into me. That's not how this thing works. Someone who has the experience, someone who has the, 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 the knowledge that you are trying to learn, you burn the bridges and you go and you follow after them no matter what it costs you. If you believe that it's worth that. If you believe that it's worth that. There were several times in my life where I had to make some serious decisions as to whether I was going to go one way or the other because I couldn't do both. It's an opportunity cost. For me to be here means that I can't be there. For me to do this means that I can't make that. But I have to make a decision. Are you willing to follow? Are you willing to learn? I'm telling you that the call is so worth it. The call is so worth it that even Jesus had moments where he was growing in understanding and wisdom. Jesus. Jesus grew. That's what it says in Luke 2, 2.52. It says it like this, that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. If Jesus was willing to do that, if Jesus was willing to learn what it meant to be a, 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 a tradesman, if Jesus was willing to go into the temple, even as a young man, and begin to ask questions, who am I? Who am I that I should turn off my desire for education, my desire for wisdom? Who am I to look at anyone and say, I can't learn from you? My brother has this saying, he says you should always be green. 
And what he means by that is you should always be connected to something that is providing you with nutrients and providing you with life. Basically, you're learning. You're, you're becoming something different. You're becoming something new each time. It's important for you to do that. What happens when you disconnect from learning? What happens when you're no longer green? You're dying. Don't be stalemated. Don't be stuck because you don't want to learn from other people. You don't want to learn from other situations. This is one of my life verses because it, it doesn't point to an easy thing. It says in Hebrews 5 and 8, talking about Jesus, and it says, In the days of his flesh, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. He was learning in the hardship Learning is not always going to be easy. Learning is not always going to be fun, but you will learn. You will be developed. And I'm encouraging you to do so. It's such an important for our, for our culture, where there's such a great desire to quickly ascend the ladder of success and have the roles of leadership and influence. I would encourage you to find a way to be developed. At Woodside, we have a way that you can be developed if you want to go into that particular route through the Woodside Leadership Institute. That's something that I've seen many people go through and be developed in a way where they're like, hey, I, I kind of understand things a lot more in my life or who I am. We have many people in this congregation right now who have been through Woodside Leadership Institute, intern internships and residencies. So I would encourage you, if that's the case, if you want to do that, let me know. Uh, and I can get you connected or get you more information about the Woodside Leadership Institute, but I think you need to find a place. One of the first things I did when I transitioned out of community development and into, uh, back into pastoring full-time was I re-engaged with my pastoral council. So I have a group of pastors that I go to for leadership, for mentorship. Uh, not that Woodside, not that the men, other pastors, I, they're not a part of that, but outside of Woodside. There are men who pastored for 40 years and are now in their latter years of life, and they have experienced things 10 times over before I've even experienced them. And my hope is that sitting under their leadership helps me to become a better pastor for you. But what if I looked at it and was like, man, I got ordained as a pastor over a decade ago. I'm good. I don't need anybody to speak into me at this point. I've seen everything there is to see in 10 years. But what if there's a 20-year cycle in church? What if there's a 20-year cycle in development with people? I would have never seen that. But they have. I would encourage you to find that way to get built up, to get encouraged in the midst of that, amen? So what is my hope for you? My hope is that you would see God's faithfulness to the call that you have on your life. Because you have a calling on your life. There is something that God has uniquely gifted and skilled you to do. But how do you get that? You need to look into his word for, his, for direction for your life. Hone in on that. And as you looked into his word, and you found the direction for your life, you need to recognize that I have to commit to it. Burn the bridges, cut everything else off that you don't need to be holding on to. And from there, 
you need to make a decision on development. I will sit and I will learn and I will wash the hands of the person who is feeding me and teaching me until the time comes for me to walk in the fullness of this gift. That's my hope for you. That's my hope for us as a church, that we can be patient enough to be able to see God bring us to fruition, bring us to fruition as a congregation. What does it mean for us to serve the people of Detroit? What does it mean for us to be the church that this neighborhood needs? I don't know yet. We're still in the process of figuring that thing out. I need you to be a part of that. I'm encouraging you to pray.